you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. Did you know that in two weeks, July 4th, 2020, the United States of America is going to be 244 years old? That means 244 years ago, the Declaration of Independence was signed. And probably the most famous part of that Declaration of Independence is this phrase right here. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Very famous words. We've all heard those before. And unfortunately, 244 years later, we're still trying to figure out this whole all men are created equal. That's why we pray God help us. Help us to continue to grow and learn through this. But we all long for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, don't we? Everybody wants that. Let's talk about happiness for a few moments because we love this feeling of happiness. We all love to experience happy things. So like, what memories in your life bring happy memories? Let's just think about that right now. What, what, what makes you feel happy when you think about, you know, maybe it's Christmas, memories of Christmas with your family. Those can be happy memories. Maybe it's birthday presents. Or maybe it's uh, just spending time with the one that you love. That's a happy memory or uh, going on vacation. That can be a happy memory right now. Some of you think, man, it's a good time to have a vacation. I could use a vacation right now. There's actually one place that we all love to, I shouldn't say all, most of us, a lot of us love to go to, and it's this place that has adopted the slogan, the happiest place on earth. And even as I talk about the happiest place on earth, some of us are like, Lord, take me there. Let it open soon. And as soon as it opens, I will go there. Because this is happy, right? You know, it, it's happy. Unless you got a toddler and it's two in the afternoon, then it's not so happy. But other than that, it's a very, very happy place. You know what I've learned in my life is that God is not as concerned about my happiness as I am. Now, don't get me wrong. God's totally, uh, he wants what's best for us. He loves us. I, I think God loves us more than we could ever imagine, more than we can even fathom. And he proved that by dying on the cross for us. God's love for us is overwhelming. It is unending. It doesn't matter what you and I do. He loves us, but he's not as concerned about our happiness as we are concerned about our happiness. But he does want us to experience joy, and that's a good thing. In fact, I'll say this. Joy is better than happiness. Happiness is based upon happiness, but joy is based upon Jesus. Happiness is based upon what happens to me. It's based upon the circumstances in my life, but you and I can experience joy no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what we go through because of Jesus. And this is one of the main things that you and I are going to learn as we go through this series this summer through the book of Philippians. Paul's going to show us that we can have joy in our life, and it's all centered around our relationship with Jesus. So we're starting a new series today. We're going to go through the book of Philippians this summer. We're calling it Joyful no matter what. And that's my hope, that's my prayer, is that you and I would be full of joy no matter what we go through in life. I mean, 
Some people might say, like, is that even possible? Can you actually have joy no matter what you go through? It feels like that's not even a thing that we can even experience in life. But I want you to know it is possible, and it depends upon what you and I focus on. And one of the things we'll talk about is the importance of you and I having this kingdom mindset. We'll talk about how we think as, as kingdom people. We're part of the kingdom uh, of God. We need to, to have the mind of Christ, to think like him. We need to make sure we're thinking in the right place. Okay, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. But we, we have to make sure that we have this kingdom mindset. And, and, and regardless, I would say we all could use joy in our life. How many would say right now, I could use more joy than what I'm experiencing right now in my life? I think this series is going to be so so timely for us. It's going to help us. And guys, there's just a lot going on. Emotions are all over the place. So many of us were confused, were discouraged. Maybe you feel really lonely right now. There's a lot of people that are feeling lonely. Maybe you're feeling depressed. It's pretty easy to say, safe to say that the emotional health of our country is struggling. And we all feel that. In fact, one of the things that people are really concerned about is the suicide is on the rise because of just people are struggling emotionally. And what I think right now is our world needs a bunch of spirit-filled Christians who will stand up with the joy of God and spread joy everywhere they go. We, this world needs the joy of the Lord. We need the joy of the Lord. Hey, let's not forget, Jesus came to bring good news and we are carriers, we are proclaimers, we are speakers, bringers of that good news as well. And that good news brings joy. And so I think this is a great follow-up to last week. You know, some of you might be thinking, like, last week we talked about grieving and lament. Now we're talking about joy. Like, what? Like, this is a total 180. These things don't even connect, but I would argue the contrary. These things are very, very much connected. Because it's important that you and I grieve certain things in our life. Some of us are grieving the fact that we couldn't gather all together today, and I'm grieving that with you. It's important for us to grieve and to lament like we talked about last week. And the Bible talks about lamenting. And most things that we grieve and lament is not going to keep us in the season of sadness or sorrow for days and months. Most things that we grieve are actually, we just need to process it for a moment, and then all of a sudden God brings healing. God does a work in our heart and in our mind, and we just needed to let go of that. That's going to be most things. There could be seasons where it goes on for a while, but oftentimes we experience what, what Psalm, Psalms talks about. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so it's that processing in, in a healthy way, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm grieving. Uh, I have this pain, whatever it is. And so I, in a healthy way, I, I pray through it. I give it all to God. Maybe I journal it. I, I cry through it. And we can experience the healing work of God, like we talked about last week. And so I love that scripture because it's so true. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes with the morning. And so it's, it's important that we grieve in a healthy way, that we lament Otherwise, like we talked about again last week, we can, we can self-medicate and we can cause ourselves all sorts of pain. And when we respond in an unhealthy way to all these things, the end result is not joy. But if we respond in a healthy way, God can do a work in us and he longs to bring joy in your life. In fact, I would even say this. You and I can actually go through seasons of sorrow, through days and months of sorrow and still experience the joy of God. And here's why. Because joy, it's not a natural response to life. It's a supernatural response to life. 
And that's what I want you to catch here today. Joy is not a natural response to life. It is a supernatural response to life. Because remember this, joy is not circumstantial. It's not based upon what I'm going through. It is possible for you and I to have joy in our life no matter what we face. And again, that's my prayer is that you and I would learn that and grow in that this summer as we go through the book of Philippians, which really is, is, is a letter. We call it a book, but it's a letter. This is a letter that Paul wrote to all of his friends at the church in, in Philippi. Philippi was the first church ever established in what we would call Europe today. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 16. But about 10 years after Paul had started or planted this church in Philippi, he's writing this letter. In order to understand the power of this letter and really how profound this letter is, I think it's important for us to understand the context of what's going on in Paul's life in this season. So what we've got to do is we've got to travel back in time. We've got to go back 2,000 years to ancient Rome, which is the heart. It's the center of the great Roman Empire. That's when this letter is being written. Okay, this is the time of chariots and gladiators. So we go to Rome in this era of history, and this is where we find Paul. We don't find Paul in the palace. He's not roaming the streets free. He's not able to go to the Colosseum. What we, we, the only place we can find him is in this small, dingy house with very high walls. And if we were to look into that place that Paul is writing this letter right here, we'd see an older man. Maybe he's balding a little bit because he's getting older in, in age. But we'd also see and notice that he is chained. His, his arms and his legs are chained, and he is connected to an, a, a Roman guard because Paul is actually in prison as he writes this letter. So this is Paul, the great church planner, mighty man of God. Everywhere he goes, as he travels across the world, he's seen the power of God. People's lives are getting changed by Jesus. He's seen people healed. You know, he's starting churches. And so it's safe to say that this season of Paul's life is not his best season. He's this, you know, this is not uh, the most enjoyable season that anyone would go through when you find yourself in jail, right? So if you were in this season that Paul's in and you were to write a letter, what would you write? What would come out of your heart? What would come out of your life? And as Paul is writing this letter, what we see is pretty profound. This isn't a complaint. He's not listing all of his grievances. He's not talking about how bitter he is. He's not yelling at God. This isn't even a New Testament version of Lamentations. What we read as we read through the letter of Philippians is what we would consider 2,000 years later one of the greatest documents on how to live a life of contentment and joy. That's what Philippians is. That's why I think this is a great letter for you and I to dive into all summer. So let's go to chapter one, verse one. Remember, here's what we're talking about today. Joy, it's not a natural response to life. It's a supernatural response to life. Chapter one, verse one says this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Okay, let's stop right there. So back in those days, the people who wrote letters would put their names at the beginning of the letter. Like today, we would put our name at the end of the letter, right? That's, that's what we're used to. But they would put it at the beginning of the letter. And so we see Paul is the author, but also mentions Timothy, which is kind of interesting. So apparently, Timothy has a part to play, a role to play somehow, some way in writing this letter. And this is why actually some scholars, and even a scholar that I really admire, N.T. Wright, believes that perhaps Paul is not writing this from a prison in Rome, but maybe he's writing it from Ephesus. 
because we have no record of Timothy ever going to Rome, but we know that Timothy was in Ephesus for years. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus for years. And so there is good evidence that perhaps Paul was writing this from Ephesus. Regardless, he's obviously in prison. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Everybody say joy. Let us trust that you said that. There it is, right there from the very beginning, right? Verse 4, joy. It says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we need to understand that one of the primary reasons that Paul is actually writing this letter to the church in Philippi is because he wants to thank them for their support. He said, you guys have, have supported me financially from the beginning since I, you know, I, we started the church and then since I've left Philippi and gone around and planted all these other churches, you guys have been support, supporting me all these years. And one of the guys from Philippi, Epaphroditus, has actually brought a gift from the church at Philippi and probably from all of the Macedonian churches that have compiled this and brought it to Paul and visiting him right now. And so Paul wanted just to send this letter back with Epaphroditus to the church in Philippi and just say, thank you so much for your financial support. And he calls them partners. You guys have partnered with me in the gospel. And what's cool is that that is how God still operates today, is we, as we give and support our, our house and the ministries uh, of Bell Road Church, we are all partnering together when we give. And we're partnering to further the gospel not just in our city, but around the world. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for those of you that give, that continue to give, because you are partners. We are all partners in the gospel as we do this financially. And that's pretty cool how God uses our giving to further his kingdom. And so we're praying for, for God to continue to use us and this church and the ministries more and more in this city. We got some things that God is stirring up in us for the future that we're pretty excited about. But we also are supporting missionaries all across the globe. So we're partnering with missionaries all over earth. And in July, we're going to have the privilege of hearing from two of our missionaries. It's going to be really cool. We always love hearing from our missionaries. But I just wanted to say, in two weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to have a missionary. And we can't even say the missionary's name. We can't even say where this missionary does ministry at because it's sensitive and we don't want to compromise their ministry. But you're going to want to make sure you check this out. Okay, two weeks from today, July 5th on that Sunday be one of our missionaries. Now, in the past, what we've done is we've cut the live feed. Some of you maybe remember that, like, hey, sorry, this missionary is from a place that we can't talk about online. And so we cut the live feed. Well, we're obviously in a day and age, we can't just cut the live feed now, because basically it'd be over for all of us. So we want to keep the live feed going online. So what we're going to do is, and I talked to the missionary about this, how does this work? Can we do this? Yeah, I just won't say my name. And we'll talk about where we're from. But we're excited to have that missionary come in in a couple of, of weeks. All right, so Moving on here. As we go through this letter in, in, in Philippians, what we're going to see is the word joy or rejoice over and over and over again. At least 16 times you'll see that word. There's several different themes that you find as you really dive deep into Philippians, but we're going to really key in on the theme of joy for the purposes of this, this series. So in verse 4, we saw that right away, right? Paul says, I pray with joy. And again, let's remember, where's Paul at? He's in prison. 
And even while he's in prison, he's full of joy. He's like, as I pray for you guys, I'm just full of joy thinking about who you are. I love you guys that much. I'm just full of joy even in my prayers. And what we'll find as we keep going through this letter is that the secret to Paul's joy is grounded, it's rooted in his relationship with Jesus. He's joy because he's so connected to Jesus. It, just the, the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus that he has for all of us just kind of comes out of his life because he is grounded in his relationship with Jesus. And I pray that that would happen for you and I more and more and more. You would grow in experiencing the joy that Jesus has for you. But you and I got to stay connected with Jesus. We got to stay close to him. And here's my prayer. Here's my hope is that you and I would be known as the people that are full of the most joy uh, around. I pray that would be a reputation. You know, one of the things you won't typically hear is at a party, you won't hear, typically hear people say, hey, you know what this party needs? More Christians. Hey, someone call the Christians. Man, we need some more joy up in this place here. Someone, we got to get the Christians around here, okay? I would love to hear statements like that, especially about you because you're so full of joy. People just want to be with you. That joy just comes out of your life. So think about that. Because remember this, people remember you for how you make them feel, not for what you say. And do you make them feel just like just excited about life and, and full of joy? It is possible, even in a tough season like this, for you and I to have joy and is grounded and rooted in our relationship with Jesus. And here's what I want you to know. As a child of God, your inheritance is joy. It's part of your inheritance. God has an inheritance for us that's just huge and overwhelming, but part of your inheritance is joy. Joy is your birthright because we're citizens of another kingdom. We are citizens of heaven. We're part of a kingdom that is not of this world, and this kingdom of heaven cannot be shaken, and it is a supernatural kingdom, and Christ is the king of this kingdom. Kingdom literally means king's domain, and so as a part of the kingdom of heaven, we are a part of Christ's domain, Jesus's domain. And in this place, as we live as kingdom people, you and I have the opportunity to continually experience the power of Jesus and the presence of Jesus. And this is so important because I don't want you to experience the presence of Jesus just once a week when you're at church or just worshiping church. I pray that you and I would be people of his presence, that we would learn to walk in the presence of God, everywhere we go, that you and I actually, as citizens of his kingdom, can experience his presence no matter what we're going through, no matter where we're at. And I love what the Psalm says about his presence. It says, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. You want to experience joy? Get in the presence of God. That's why we love worship. But we love it when we get to sing songs, we can gather with people. There's something awesome about that as we look to God, we put all of our focus, our attention on him. We put ourselves in a position really to, to receive him and to get close to him and to allow his presence to move in our life. We need his presence. And the Bible says this, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. You want more joy in your life? Well, just get in the presence of God as much as you possibly can and learn what it means to live in that place, to be a person of the presence. Okay, remember this. Joy is not a natural response. It is a supernatural response to life. And it comes out of you and I living in and experiencing the presence of God. So let's go to verse 6 now. This, verse 6 is one of the famous verses in Philippians. Love this verse. Being confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this. These are very important words of Paul that you and I need to really take hold of in our life today. Where we put our confidence matters. What we place the confidence of our life in is a big deal. In fact, let me just ask right now, where are you putting your confidence? Because where you put your confidence really is determining where your life is going to go. It's going to determine the outcome of your life. It's going to determine the experiences of your life. Where you and I place our confidence really determines the eternity of our life. And I love that Paul speaks to this. He speaks to this is where my confidence is. It's in that the fact that God is going to continue work. He already began to work, and he's going to continue to do it as well. I am confident of that. I just want to encourage you today to put your confidence in him and the work that he wants to continue to do in you, and he never, ever wants to stop. You and I need to allow him to continue to work in that and place our confidence in him that he will do it. Well, we're not putting our confidence in who's going to be the next president of the United States and think that that's, that's the answer. If as the people of God, if as the church, that's where our confidence is, the church is, is going to struggle. We don't put our confidence in our money and our possessions. Those things are fine. They're good. God can use those in our life. But what happens when we lose those? As we will find out, and many even are finding out right now, I can't put my confidence in those. If that's my foundation, and then I lose it. Then my foundation's gone. It's ruined. It's shaken. I can't even put my confidence in my health because I can lose that as well. I can't put my confidence in my opinions, in the opinions of certain people that I look up to. I can't put my confidence in everything that I read online. Can I go there? Can I, can I, can I just say that? Is that okay? You know, this word confidence is an interesting word. In the Greek, the word is pytho. And as the, is the case, you know, this Greek word and, and, and all Greek words and Hebrew words are just, there's so much deeper than our English words. There's profound depth and meaning to this word pytho. It means to persuade, to induce one by words to believe, to win one's favor, to trust and have confidence. So the translation I'm using here, NIV, talks about confidence. I have this confidence, but also this word pytho has to do with persuasion being convinced of something. Can I just say this? I think too many people are being pythoed into believing things that they, they shouldn't be believing right now. Too many people are being pythoed to believe things they read online, and it feels very convincing, but we're being pythoed. And yes, I, I made up that word. It totally doesn't even exist. But I just love that Greek word, pytho. And I'm praying that you and I would not be pythoed. We'd not be convinced of something that isn't true. This is why I caution us. Like, be careful how much time you and I spend online and social media consuming the news. Okay, it's, it's important to stay up to date. I, I think that's very important to be in the know. We want to be informed people of God, knowledgeable, wise people of God. But we also got to make sure that we're grounded and rooted in the Word of God. We got to make sure we're getting truth. And some of us aren't getting enough of God's Word and getting His truth into our, our life. And because of that, there's an imbalance and we're becoming pythoed by things we shouldn't be going to or, or, or believing in. And so I pray that your confidence would be in God and really in this one place, that your confidence would be in who he is 
and that he is faithful. Did you know that? God is faithful. I want you to say that to yourself even right now. Say, he is faithful. Well, these are crazy times, guys. So many of us were hoping this time would be kind of coming to an end right now, and here we go. It's, it's like, hey, we thought this was a 5K. I guess this is like a full marathon. I don't, you know. It just keeps going, and it's tough. It's, it's, it's emotional. It's uh, confusing at times. So I think right now in this season, it is so important for you and I to remember Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work, being confident of this, start there, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. He promises. This is a great 80s song that was written out of this verse. And I won't sing it for you. I'll spare you. <laughs> no. But this is what the word said. It says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Have you heard that one? He'll be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. It's a great classic 80s chorus, but I love that it speaks to this, okay? God's began a good work in you, and remember this, he is faithful. He is faithful to continue working in your life. Yes, these times are tough, but don't forget, he is faithful. Yes, these times are going on longer than we anticipated. Do not forget, he is faithful. You may not understand everything that's going on. You may be struggling to make sense of it all, but don't forget, he is faithful. And we got to declare that. we got to remind ourselves of that. In fact, let me just say this. I don't think the goal of following Jesus is that you and I would understand everything that's going on. The goal is this. The goal is that you and I would worship him no matter what, I, what goes on in my life. The goal is that you and I would trust him, put our confidence in him, even when we don't understand, because we're putting our confidence in the one who does understand all. And because of that, I can trust him. Amen? Don't let the enemy stop what God has started. And the enemy wants to come in and, and rob you from more that God wants to do in your life. Hey, here's, this, here's a great reminder right here in verse 6 in this letter to the church of Philippi that you and I can take hold for ourselves as well. God is faithful. He will continue working in you, but that's really dependent upon us allowing him. But the enemy wants to come in and he wants to stop the work of God in your life. So let me just say, don't let the enemy stop what God has started. Don't let the enemy come in and rob all the more, all the new that God has for you in your life. Well, the enemy wants to come and discourage you. He wants to isolate you. He wants to separate you. He wants to confuse you. He wants to pull you down. He wants to do whatever he can to hinder God's powerful, transforming work in your life. Maybe you need to stand up and say, no more, devil. No more. Devil, not today. Declare that for yourself, okay? I'm going to trust in God. I'm putting my confidence in, in the one who is faithful. In fact, I'd encourage you right now, just take a moment and begin to think about, remember all the times that God has been faithful to you. Did you do that? I'm giving you permission to allow your mind to wander. Okay, we, our mind does this anyway when we listen to people speak. <laughs> so go ahead and do it right now. Let your mind wander. And think of times when God has proven his faithfulness to you. We need to remember those things. We cannot forget those things. If you're new to faith, if you're new to this church thing, maybe you're saying, I don't even believe in Jesus. So I was like, how can he be faithful if I don't even believe in him? Okay, and that's, 
And if, if that's you and if you're there, I just want to say thanks for joining us. We love that you're here with us because you are welcome to be a part of Bell Road Church regardless of what you believe, regardless of where you're at in this faith process or journey. But let me just share with you and with all of us this promise from the Word of God. Hebrews 13 says this. This, this is a promise from God himself, from his word. He says, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Which is an echo of something he said at the beginning of the Bible in the Old Testament. I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. That's Hebrews 13, 5. Maybe you're familiar with I will never leave you or never forsake you. Don't ever forget that. That's a promise from God. And maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. You've never began following him. Please know that when you and I commit to following him, it is the greatest decision of our life. It's something I promise you'll never forget. And then God promises this. For the rest of your life, he's going to be with you. He'll never abandon you. He will not let you down. That's a promise from him. And I'm telling you, he is way more faithful than we are to him. And he is way more faithful than any other human being could ever be faithful to us. It's a friend that sticks closer to a brother. He's someone that loves you and I so much that he's willing to lay his life down for us. Jesus proved his incredible love for you and for me because he died for us. So even before you and I ever decided what we were going to do with Jesus and if we were going to believe in him and follow him, Jesus decided he loved you so much he was going to die for you. So please know that. Please understand that. And if you're having a hard time remembering all the things that God has done and how he's been faithful to you, can I just say, just read through all the stories in this book because these stories are part of your story. As a child of God, these are your stories too. They're connected to you. This is a part of your history. This is God. Like page after page after page, story after story, story of God being faithful, even when his people aren't faithful, even when his people rebel, turn their back on him. God is faithful over and over and over and over again. And I pray that you and I would not forget that today and we would put our confidence in that place that he is faithful. So this is a season we need to remember Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He will complete it. He will continue that work in you. And I keep saying this word season very intentionally, by the way. Because it's important that you and I understand this is just a season. It's not a sentence. We're not stuck here for the rest of our life. It's a season. It will end. It will pass. God will bring you and I out of this season. This is why I continue to say, make the most of the season, even though it's hard. Make the most of the season so that when you come out of it, you're better, you're stronger, you're closer to Jesus because of it. And my prayer is that you learn to experience joy even in the midst of seasons like this. And joy is not a natural response to life. It is a supernatural response to life. Let me just remind you, living with joy is your birthright. It is a part of your inheritance. You know, I'm really convinced that the enemy, the devil, is not after your money. He's not after your marriage or your kids or your health. He's after your joy. But he's going to attack your money He's going to go after those things, your marriage, your kids, your, your health. He goes after those things to rob us of our joy. Because when our joy is gone, we take our eyes off of Jesus, we start blaming, we start getting emotional. We're all over the place. And when he can rob us of our joy, that's when he has us. 
your joy. Can I just say this? You were not designed to carry bitterness and unforgiveness. You were not designed to live a life of continual discouragement or even depression. Although sometimes those things can happen, you and I were not designed to live life that way. You weren't designed to treat other people poorly and be mad at the world. You weren't designed to give your spouse the silent treatment. You weren't designed to be angry at your kids. You were designed for joy. And when you and I go to those places, there's, it affects us in every area of our life. When I carry bitterness and unforgiveness, I'm just angry and I'm just frustrated. And I, uh, when we live there, it affects us. It hurts us. And it, we, we struggle. It can even cause physical sickness. It's been proven stress and anxiety can cause physical sickness. Can I just say, we're not designed to live life that way. That's why we got to let it go. Give it to God. Trust Him. Grieve, lament, and then receive the joy that He has for us in the morning. You were designed. You were created to live a life of joy. When we live in joy, it feels so much better. We feel free. We feel connected to Jesus. Yes, we're going to experience those down moments, but come on, we got to learn to give those to God and, and, and step into this joy that he has for us. Why? Because we were designed to live in joy and experience joy. It's something that Jesus prayed for us. It's something that he gave us was his joy. Well, we're citizens of God, of the kingdom of God. We're not a part of this earthly kingdom. We're a part of the heavenly kingdom. And I will say this, that joy will come naturally out of us as we live in his kingdom. Or maybe I should say supernaturally out of us as we live in his kingdom. To live in his kingdom means we place Jesus as the king of our life. The Lord of our life. I'm leading him. I'm following him. I'm trusting him. My confidence is in him. That's what it means to really follow Jesus. In fact, we love to say this, that following Jesus is just what it means to be a Christian. It means I'm committed to following Jesus. By the way, it doesn't mean you're perfect. You're just you're committed to keep following Jesus. You're being changed by Jesus. You're being led by the Spirit of Jesus, and you're living on the mission of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian right there. Committed to following Jesus. I'm being changed by Jesus. I'm led by the Spirit of Jesus, and I'm living on the mission of Jesus. It all centers around Jesus. I want to encourage you to let the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, His presence to fill you, to consume you, to lead you, to guide you, so that you can live in this place where there's fullness of joy. Because don't forget, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. We need to be people of the presence, which is being people of the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about that the fruit of the Spirit will come out of our life. And so I pray that the fruit of the Spirit would come out of us supernaturally as we live by the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Joy. Joy is number two right there. There it is. You and I can have joy just come out of our life as we let the Spirit fill us and empower us and we live by the Spirit. Love. can natu- You and I can love people that w- are difficult to love because God supernaturally gives us that ability by His Spirit. We can experience love supernaturally joy, peace, patience. All of those things come from God through Him working by His Spirit in us if we let Him. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are all the fruits of the Spirit right there. Remember, joy is not a natural response to life. It is a supernatural response to life. 
And those things will come out of your life supernaturally if you let the Spirit of God work in your life. And so here's my encouragement to all of us. Let's take some time right now. Before we go on with this fun Father's Day, what do you got planned? Let's take some time right now. Let's just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need you. Come on, let's put our confidence in Him, our focus in Him and His faithfulness, and recognize again, we need Him and His Spirit to fill our life. Maybe here today and you're hanging out with us and you've never said yes to Jesus, I would encourage you right now to say yes to Him and let us know. If you're ready, you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, let us know. You can comment on there or click the, the saying yes to Jesus or, or really just fill out that digital connect card. I think that'd be the best thing. You know, there's a digital connect card that we have. Let us know on that digital connect card. I'm ready to follow Jesus and we'll follow up with you and help you move forward with the greatest decision of your life. And for all of us, it's so important that we let the spirit of God fill our life. There's a reason Jesus sent his spirit so that you could experience him in all of his fullness, which brings joy. And let's be real. When we're missing out on the joy of Jesus, it's because we're trying to do it on our own strength. We're letting all these things overwhelm us and capture us and take, take hold of us. The enemy's discouraging us and he's robbing us of the joy of Jesus. I want you to walk in joy. I want you to experience joy more and more and more. That's my prayer and that's my hope for you. again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church. We hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it. Be sure to connect with us online via Twitter, Facebook, and at bellroadchurch.com.